Where would we be without coffee, huh? Healthier, maybe. <laughs> All right. Now, I wonder, we're, we're sort of uh, achieving two things uh, today. Um, and I'll explain what I'm talking about. I wonder if you've ever thought, how do I really allow, you know, this book, the Bible, to touch my life and speak to me? And how come I can't sort of read it like other people read it? Sometimes we struggle with that, right? So how do I read this Bible to, to really let it speak into my life? Another question you might ask is, or have you ever been asked, can you disciple this new Christian? What, what would you say to that? Somebody said, hey, there's somebody just coming to faith. Can you disciple them in the scripture? Would that be intimidating? Would that be overwhelming? I think, oh, what, what would I do? How would I do that? We're actually going to teach over the next few weeks... Um, a methodology of teaching ourselves and teaching other people that I think is absolutely brilliant. Now we're going to double it up and sort of use this methodology as we do the teaching today. So you're really going to get to see it and you'll see it as the next few weeks uh, carry on. But it's a great little tool, it's called a Discipleship Bible Study and uh, again it is brilliant for you being able to grow yourself or grow other people. I don't know, Connect Group Leaders... Who, who has ever done this? You know, you've been on the way to Connect Group, you're leading the group and you're driving the car and you, you've basically got your Bible hanging out the window, flipping pages, trying to get the study ready, right? Has any, I don't know if you've ever done that, but, you know, maybe this is just me. But, you know, this burden to sort of come up with the goods. Well, what I'm talking about today is just letting the Bible uh, speak to us and, and unlocking the brilliant truths that the scripture has for us. You could never really be short uh, if you basically grab a hold of this tool. So you'll see on your uh, seats, you, grow, you got this little tool called a discipleship Bible study and you'll be able to follow along with it. How it works is you grab a passage of scripture, you might grab any particular one. We're working through some parables in the next few weeks, stories of hope. Um, but you read the story from the text and then you retell the story to each other. Now, we're not going to make you do that today. We may later on, but you just retell it. So you're getting the scripture, you're getting the word of God into you, which is so important. Um, then you answer three questions and we're going to answer them today. First one, what does this story teach us about God? What are the truths that this story teaches us about God? Just grab a pencil if you, if you need, they're handing them out. The second one is, what does this story teach us about us so through the people on the story what do I learn about myself or humanity really important and the final one is is there an obey a command to obey or an example to follow and then of course as you flip over you basically do they say that's something it's a truth I'm going to put into my life and grab a hold of this week so we're going to practice that now we're going to be reading from uh, Luke chapter 15 today, the story of the prodigal son. And we're going to watch the screens while this story is told to us in a, in a creative sort of a way. But I want you to be thinking as it's playing, what's one thing it tells me about God and what's one thing it tells me about uh, humanity or, or us. And then I'm going to get you to talk to the person next to you. So be prepared, okay? So let's uh, have a look at this. We've got an intro for our series and then we've got the creative AV on the scripture. I can see the top of your head You see there's no such thing As better things in life Well I must confess to 
Let me tell you a story. There was a time when Jesus was having dinner with people who were despised by society, and he told them this story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided up the property among them. Not long after that, the younger son gathered up all he had and set off for a distant country where he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine throughout that country, and he found himself in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the food the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will go to my father and tell him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father called to his servants, Bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine who is dead is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began celebrating. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. He called to one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother grew angry and refused to go in. The father came out and pleaded with him, but he replied to his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed you. You never even gave me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. And now this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. And you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, he replied, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate. Be glad. Because this brother of yours, who is dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. Okay, so that's a story that's fairly well known. You've very likely heard it before. Just turn to the person next to you and say, it's one thing it tells you about God, one thing it tells you about us as humanity. Obviously, you swap that over, talk to each other. If you're sitting on your own, that's all right. Just have a, have a think about it. Okay, one minute. Go for it.
10 seconds before pencil's down. Oh, you can write if you want. All right, you're right. So it's real simple. That's just the point. You're just opening up the scripture and going, well, what does this tell me about God? And what does this tell me about us? And I'm sure there's all sorts of ideas out there. I'm now going to tell you what I saw in the scripture. So basically you'll find out if you're right or you're wrong. Okay? (laughs) Is that how it works? These are my thoughts. This is obviously the point. These are going to be my uh, thoughts. And I'm sure uh, there'll be a fair bit of overlap with people out there. Look, here's the first one that just jumps out at me. That God, because obviously the Father represents God. God is... Uh, outrageously, I won't write it, but outrageously, exceedingly generous. It's unbelievable. It just, it, it screams at me. I'm just going to write crazy. God is crazy generous with us. Um, have a look at what happens here. John, can I get you to jump up for a sec? Anton, can you come on over here and we'll need a microphone. Maybe if you give it to uh, Anton, first of all. So, John, if you stand here, you have a son. What, what's your son's name? Rodney. So your name, Anton, is Rodney, okay? Just imagine that for a sec. And I, can you just walk over there and imagine for a sec, I mean, really get inside what is happening here. We, we skip over scriptures sometimes really quickly. But imagine this in real life. Rodney walks up to dad with a bit of a swagger, a swagger looking pretty cool. I mean, Anton already looks cool, doesn't he? He's got the, he's got the hat and the whole bit. You're not supposed to be cool, you're dad. And he, and he says to his dad, I want my inheritance now. I want my inheritance now. You're worth nothing to me. You're worth nothing to me. I, I, I get no life in this place. I get no life in this place. You mo- might as well be dead. You might as well be dead. Now, Honestly, grab what is happening here. How does that make you feel, John, having Rodney say those words to you? Pass the mic over there. What's your reaction? Not really happy. I'd like to apply some education to his rear portion. Right. (laughs) You see? Very good. Feel free. Go for it. (laughs) Let's carry this on. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you. I mean, grab a hold of this. The arrogance of this young son coming up to the father who's worked his whole life, raised him, loved him and saying, basically, dad, you're nothing. Life is nothing here. And what does the father do? It says the very next verse, he says he divided his property between them. I just, I am blown away by the generosity and the love that is demonstrated by God here in this passage of Scripture. And I'm not saying that was not without any sadness in his heart that this was happening or that there wasn't like a struggle there as he worked this one through but God's outrageous generosity screams to us in this passage of scripture later on we see the older brother come up with a somewhat similar statement he's like I'm not coming in to the party you're hanging out with Rodney and Rodney you know he's been off doing all the stuff and the father looks at the son and says son all I have is yours again incredibly generous And it is always a starting point in Scripture to understand that it's always God first. That God always reaches out to mankind first. His love is overwhelming. In Romans chapter 2, it says it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. 
Do you have that starting image of God? You know, I believe the Father in this story, representing God, is actually beginning the process of repentance with the Son right there. When you see it through those eyes, He's initiating love and grace to the Son, knowing the Son is going to walk away from Him, but knowing that the Son will one day go, what was that all about? What was God's outrage? What, why was my father so outrageously generous to me in the face of what I did? And it was already cultivating repentance in the heart of mankind, which is what God has done for us. He's generous. Okay, we'll move pretty quickly through these. Number two, God, well, mess that up. God lets us go. Anybody have anything similar to that? God lets us go. A couple of hands. I I find that interesting in the story. God lets us walk away from Him. He knows everything. He knows the trouble that's going to happen. But He's the perfect Father and He lets the Son walk away. You know, God will allow you to make your mistakes. Sometimes we just got to understand that God won't get in the way. God will not control your life to the point of saying, you can't make that mistake. You must love me, you must stay here, because then it's not love. See, this is really the heart of one of the big questions that we have, is why does God allow suffering and and evil? And it's not the the complete answer, but it's part of the answer that sometimes it's us that walk away. The son walked away and found himself in a season of suffering, because he walked away from the father. He was abandoned, he was hungry, he was with the pigs. But he walked away from God. Of course, the father knew that where he'd end up. God knows that if we walk outside of his grace and his protection and his care, it's not going to go well for us. Sometimes I think we actually blame God for the places we end up. You know, in anger and frustration, we say, God, how, why? Why am I in this place? Why don't I respect it like I should be? Why, why don't I feel the love? Why don't I have the blessing? That person, I mean, what, you know, what's going on here? And God says, you walked away from me. You took yourself out of my grace. You took myself out of my care and my providence. I didn't put you in that place. A guy called Meister Eckhart, who lived in the 13th century, he says this, God is at home. It is us who have gone for a walk. It's always challenged me, that little phrase, God is at home. He's talking about this parable. God is at home. It is us that have gone for a walk. I just wonder at the moment, are you perplexed with God about where you're at presently? Are you bewildered? Are you saying, how did I get here? Why did you put me here? It just may be worth asking the question how you got there. And that is, I'm not beating anybody up here. And that is not always the answer to that question. There's a myriad of reasons, but sometimes... You've walked outside of God's grace where He wanted you. You've let something go wrong in your spirit. And God says, you you shouldn't be in that place. All right, real quick on this one. It's it's sort of the biggie. I just had to put it in. God is um, longing for us or maybe looking for us. just understand this God is looking for us Luke 15 20 he got up and went to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him that is just a picture of a father looking 
He's a long way off. You don't see someone if they're a long way off unless you're looking for them. He's searching, hoping, calling, drawing us to him. And this son smells of pigs, which is abhorrent to the Jews. And he's squandered his inheritance. And he's lived in sin and it's destitute. And his father sees none of it. His father, with joy in his heart, runs towards the son, which even that in... um, you know, in the context of a Jewish father is amazing. And he runs towards the son and he loves the son. God is longing for us. We've just got to get some perspectives right about God. He's generous. He lets us go, but he's longing for us. So what does this story tell us about us as humans? Often in these parables, these scriptures, we see glimpses, insights into who we are. Well, here's one. We want it now. We want it all now, right? That is such a part of the human condition. The younger father says to the, the younger son says to the dad, "Father, give me my share of the estate." When it's an when is he supposed to get his share of the estate? When when his dad dies, right? At the right time, at the the correct time, it will come. He was always going to get his share of the estate, but he wanted it now. And it's an incredibly dangerous part of the human condition that we run ahead of God sometimes and demand the things of God that he has planned for us. Now, God, I want it now. I want the prestige now. I want all of the friends now. I want that, that, that party now. You give it to me now. And we've got to be aware of this thing that rises up in our soul. You know, First Peter 5 tells us that in due time if you humble yourself before God in due time he will lift you up in the right time at the right season he will lift you up I love saying that that to people sometimes people say in in our church and churches they say oh I haven't been recognized in this church I have a gifting that's not being used and it should be being used I honestly I like saying I can't hold you back it's not up to me Because in due time, God will lift you up if you humble yourself. It's impossible for me to get in the way. If you humble yourself, God will lift you up. This younger son is reversing things here. He's got all the pride and arrogance in the world and he's taking it. And think about how arrogant it is anyway. He's he's basically saying to the father who represents God, not only you know, do I want it now? But you owe me for my life. I mean, that, when we start saying words like that to God, you owe me, God, you better, you better provide. We know there is something wrong in our spirit. This God that has given us who deserves nothing, when we start saying to God, God, why didn't you give me? Why didn't you give me the, the job that I wanted, the promotion, the, the place that I should be going, the prosperity, the girlfriend, the husband, whatever it might When we start saying that, there is something wrong in our spirit. It exposes something of ourselves to God. God will give it. God's got good things in store for you in the right time, in His time, in the due time. We want it now. Here's the next one. We think sin satisfies. We think sin satisfies. You know, another way of putting this would be we think 
And this is like a little bit more subtle. We think life away from the Father satisfies. Life away from God's will. Life away from being with his people in church and community. Ah, that's where satisfaction is. That's where I find it. You know, ultimately sin is just not lining your your life up with God's will for you. Another definition of sin is just missing the mark, missing God's purpose for your life. You, you put it, you say, oh, we, we think sin satisfies, and you think, well, that's, that's not me, I understand sin doesn't satisfy, but what about just this thought that life away from the Father is really where life is at? One of the things that distresses me is when people say, oh, I, you know, to be honest, I just, I just find that there's a better life away from church and the Christian community. I just find I feel more at peace out there. Life away from the Father is never God's best life for you because it's missing his mark now sometimes that is evidenced in outrageous obvious sin sometimes it's evidenced in just walking outside of his will for your life but sin never 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 satisfies and we have to understand that the very thing that that the young son went away thinking he would have his needs met was the very thing that not only didn't meet his needs, but left him needy. Verse 14 says, tells us he was in need. The very, very things that he thought would fill him up, left him in need. We've got to speak this truth to our soul. It's, it, that is never going to be a better life out there. Never, not once, is willful sin, any sin. Being away from the Father, going to satisfy your life. Again, to be specific, have you struggled with addictions or drugs or alcohol or lust in your past? Not one person that's gone through that, going through that would say, oh yeah, that satisfies. Oh man, I, it just fulfills me. Every single one will tell you it's never ending and it's worse and it's worse and it destroys me. And it isn't just the wild party sin that we're talking about here. It can just be resentment and bitterness and anger, holding on to something, nurturing something within yourself. It doesn't satisfy. You'll find it makes it worse and worse. It it, it sucks the life out of you. Hungering after power and prestige and wealth. Talk to anybody. You ask, has it ever satisfied? You know, it doesn't satisfy us. It leads down an empty road. 1 Peter 2.11 says that sin wages war against our soul. Wages war against our soul. The enemy's job isn't just to neutralize us, it's to destroy us. One of the advantages or disadvantages of sort of beginning life in youth ministry is I've managed to watch and track people for many, many years now. And it's going on 20 years since we sort of kicked off in leadership in youth ministry. And, and we used to, just like any good youth pastor would do, you'd, we'd beg people, don't, hey, it's not better out there. God's, God's way is a better way. You want fulfillment? And we'd say all of that. But at the end of the year, like always, some would just say, look, you know what? It's better out there, away from the Father. And off they'd go. And 20 years on, I now get to see some. It's interesting, some even come back. I had a young guy come back, or probably a guy more around my age come back a, a few months ago. You know what? He, he, even, he looked ravaged. And I'm not saying this is everybody's story, but he looked gaunt in his face. He'd actually lost teeth, life, had sin had sucked the life out of him 
And he said to me, Carl, worst thing I ever did was walk away from this place. Like, to just listen to that garbage and go after that stuff. And, and he's slowly making his journey back to God. You know, friends, we gotta, we got to understand it. When that temptation comes knocking, I say it especially to young people, it, it is never there to be your friend. It is there to destroy you. It is there to kill you. It is there to wreck relationships. And here's the last one that I think it speaks to us about. There's certainly more. Is I see in this one that we think we have to earn God's love. We think we earn it. I mean, I love that the prodigal here gets a revelation of going back to the father. But notice what he says here. He says, you know, he says, I'll go home. Life will be better at home. I think in that version there, it talked about, I'll be a hired hand is the word he uses. What's a hired hand is what? Somebody that works for their wages, right? Somebody that works their way into that, that kingdom, that place. He says it to the Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This is a classic mistake of the human condition. We have a revelation. We come to our senses about who we are. We say, I don't want to be that person. God, I've lived such a terrible life and this is what I'm going to do about it, God. Oh man, I'm going to work so hard for you, God. It's almost as big a mistake if you come to your revelation and then you start telling God, I'm going to sort it out. I'm going to fix it up. I am going to be so good. I'm going to serve so hard in this place. I'm going to be squeaky clear. Hey, one Christian, God, I, I will be like a hired hand in, in your church. You, you will just be so appreciative. And, and don't say we don't do it because we do it all the time. We, we, we fall into patterns of sin and our, our response is, God, right, I'll, I'll sort it out. I'll fix it up. It's the same with the older brother. You, you look, at, look at him, verse 29. What does he say? He's been around the father. He says, look, dad, all these years, I have been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. What is that? That is the same thing, just in a different manifestation. I'm working for you and I never got anything. I never got a fattened calf. I never got the party. It can be the same with us. Maybe today you're not way out on the edges there but you're close on in and you're saying man god you you owe me i have worked so hard for your kingdom last week god i did 150 coffees <laughs> you better you better come out with the good stuff <laughs> you know this is just basic grace teaching but something we should never forget we don't earn the kindness and the love and the acceptance of the father it is something that is given to us. And see, the younger son, he could have missed out on that party if he hadn't accepted the grace of the Father. What is the grace of the Father? He comes and he puts the robe on him, right? Which is the robe of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Of course, it's Jesus' righteousness that he's putting on him. It's not his. Puts new sandals on his feet and a finger on his finger. This is the revelation of the Christian gospel. He could have missed his chance. I wonder, you know, about the older son, whether he didn't just go. Those words must have just baffled him. He, he looks at the older son and says, everything I have is yours. 
I think he was saying to him there, you, want a party? you can have a party every single night. Don't you understand? It was never about you working. The inheritance was yours. The life with me was yours. Where did you get that idea that you had to earn it, that you had to work for it? And yet it creeps into our soul and we have to remind ourselves of it. So are you working to earn your faith? Where does this all lead? Okay, so this is where I'm going to go with it. God is crazy generous. God lets us go. God is longing for us. We must, we want it now as people. We think sin satisfies and we think we earn it. Example to obey. Sometimes it's a command to follow. You know, Jesus will just speak it out. It's pretty clear. But in this one, it's a little bit more of an example to follow. And again, you may well, as you study it, come up with a different uh, revelation. But mine one is simply this. Our life, sorry, is in Him. Our life is in Him. The prodigal son realizes his life is worth nothing, right? We all know this, but he realizes that all the things that he was doing are worth nothing. And then he comes to this revelation that he can be a servant in his father's house and be more at peace than being a king anywhere else, or a servant for that matter. But his revelation is, I can be bottom rung in my father's house, on the outer in my father's house. That's still a better place to be than anywhere else on this earth. All of that is rubbish compared to the joy of being with my father. Listen to the story. He thought he was a slave in his father's house, so he went searching for freedom. Yet he found he became a slave to sin and he lost his freedom. Then he wanted to be a slave to the father, but he becomes a son and becomes free. You know, he missed, I think, at least momentarily the the thought that he could become a son. But I love his revelation that he's better off bottom rung in his father's house, better off working for the father than being anywhere else because his revelation is my life is in him. Acts 17, 28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. We're in him. Our life comes from him. It almost doesn't matter what we do as long as we're with the Father. Our love and our life flows from being with the Father. It doesn't come from our giftings and our talents and our abilities and the things that we can do and our prestige and the order of things. Our life comes from being in Him as sons. Somehow we can get a sense that our life is all about the things that we do. Oh, if I be good to Him, if I serve Him, I help the church, I give to those in need, I give to God, go into the world, follow the rules like the older son says. And those things are not bad. The more I think about it and dwell on it, the more I realize that these things are, they're not so much for what we can do for God, but really as a means to God giving to us. I, I really believe that. All of the things that God asks us to do, I, I don't, certainly God, we are his arms and his feet in this world, but in a way, God gives to us by getting us to do these things because it keeps us close to Him. It means we're in relationship with Him. It means we remain in His kingdom. I think they're a gift to us in themselves. 
See, what the oldest son never understood was that working for the father wasn't about the fattened calf. It wasn't actually about the party with his friends. It was about the father. That's what life was about. He, he could have come to that revelation that the father was bewildered by it because he was basically saying, but we're, we're together. Everything I have is yours. We're in relationship together. Hasn't that been enough for you? We find our life in Him. And when we do this, suddenly things change. I think the victories that we have in life, they actually gain a perspective. It's not that they're unimportant, but they're less important. Because we say, well, look, my life is in Him. And I love the victories. I love the blessings. But my life is in Him. They're with the Father. And the defeats and the struggles and the trials, don't, they're not nothing, but they gain perspective. Because my life is is found in him as long as i'm near the father and the father is near me then i'll handle anything that comes my way because my life is found in him and notice that the younger son does get that party that he that he wants it just get, he, he finds it in its fullness and the reality of what it should have been with the father and i find that interesting that the son that comes to do work says right i'm, I'm a hired hand but don't look at me i'm terrible i'm awful just just send me to work the father says, I'm going to just get some priorities right here. The first thing we're going to do is celebrate. We're going to party. We're going to make this about relationship before we do anything else. The younger son must have been baffled by this. Put on the robe with the ring, the sandals, the fattened calf, celebrate. There's joy in the air. What would that have done in the heart of that young son? I'll tell you what it would have done. I reckon this. He goes to bed that night. He's like, set me alarm clock, 5 a.m., 4.30. He's the first one up that next day. And he's like, I am not a hired hand. I am a son. And I'm going I'm to work for the Father. I get to work for the Father. He's probably waking everybody up saying, come on, get up. Let's be fruitful. Let's, let's do it. Where's the tractor kept these days? Where's the shovels? Let's, let's dig a hole. Come on, everybody. Because I see what the Father has done for me. I saw the love and the grace that He's poured out into my life that causes me to want to serve the Father. Because everything we have, everything we do, comes firstly from this relationship with the Father. This is a truth that we, we find all throughout the Scripture, that all of our fruitfulness first comes with the knowledge of being in him you know i think the son this is always the trouble with the parable he gets it quick in a parable right it all happens in a matter of verses i think for us we struggle with this one like that's right it comes from being with the father you see this principle all throughout the scripture john 15 is a classic it john 15 is like talks about fruitfulness and being fruitful but it gives us the how verse 14 it says you are my friends if you do what i command what, what is what he commands? He's just been talking about it. If you remain in my love. So if we stay in relationship, you're my friends. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. He says you need to be fruitful, fruitful but that fruitfulness comes from the fact that you're no longer a servant. You're a son. Does that sound familiar? Like a son who was once a slave, but then once again becomes 
a friend becomes a son, somebody that celebrates. This is each and every one of us here today. We must never lose sight of this. And when we do, we work differently. We pray differently. We celebrate differently. We enjoy differently because we know that the Father is with us and everything he has is ours. Do you need that simple truth spoken to you today? Everything he has is yours. What a revelation that must have been for that older son. Do you understand that God is deeply interested in you? Do you understand God's longing for you to draw you in? Do you understand that he wants to celebrate with you well before he's concerned about what he can squeeze out of your life? Because our life is found in him. No, no, if we, if we do nothing more this week, just, just enjoy the presence of God. Just talk to God like he's a father. Just pray, not out of duty, but out of a sense of thankfulness. And goodness, God, you're so good to me. I just love what you've done for my life, for the gift of your son. It's out of relationship that these things are born. We're going to share communion now just as we finish. And if those responsible could come, I think the band is going to come back. You know, this series title is Stories of Hope. And the story illustrates that we can always come back to the Father, no matter which son that you are. The younger son gives us the example. He, he repents, repenting. He turns from his old life and he, he runs to the Father, turns his back on the old, puts his focus on, on God, accepts the grace of God into his life, acknowledges his sin, confesses it before the Father and receives the righteousness of Christ. This is the gift of God. I, in modern day language, he was born again in that moment born again of God's spirit because of what the son had done and this is what communion is all about it's remembering the broken body and the blood shed of Jesus Christ our access to the father is through the son Jesus in him we have such freedom such grace let's never lose sight of where our life comes from now, some people here today again might be that rebellious son and you just need to make a, a moment of repentance and just say God I've been far from you I need to turn my life back to you I need to focus again on you but for many you're just in a season again of the older son thinking it's about the work and the effort and God would just call you into his grace this morning and say all I have is yours Come and have a relationship. Come celebrate with us. Come, let's be together. You know, it's an interesting time in the life of Catalyst. We're about to, I think, embark on our next chapter, the next thing that God wants us for us. And no doubt, all sorts is lined up for us to achieve in this city and in this nation. I don't know if you've noticed, but for three weeks in a row, those of you that have made it three weeks in a row, we've been talking about the Father Heart of God, and that wasn't planned. John Finkeldy talked about the Father Heart of God. Father's Day was last week. This message was planned, but we didn't know that it would be so linked to the Father Heart of God. I just believe God wants to speak to this church about it. As we embark on all the things He's got for us, never lose sight of His Father's heart, of His love 
for us, how it comes first from relationship and His grace and His goodness. As we sing a song right now, we're going to sing that beautiful song about that Father heart of God. I just encourage you, perhaps you want to just repent from wherever you're at. Come back to God. Just sing these words, mean them with your heart. Confess with your mouth and as we come back together just hold off we'll eat and we'll drink together in just a moment so let's let's uh worship together as Rochelle leads us